This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. Welcome to another edition of Alumni Allowed. We are here with Dr. Rebecca Amato. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for inviting me, Jack. Well, we'd normally like to get into a background of what our guests were involved with, with research and kind of that, how that history impacts them today. And you spent decades researching urban history in New York City. What questions uh, drive and drove your research? Um, I became really interested. I moved to New York in 1997 from Chicago, in both Chicago and New York around that time. Um, cities were beginning to change dramatically. I mean, neighborhoods were changing dramatically through uh, reinvestment in neighborhoods that have been historically disinvested. And um, in New York in particular, under the Bloomberg administration, there was you know, his desire to make the city kind of a luxury product, which really resulted in real estate and land getting much more expensive and the cost of living increasing. And so I was interested in the impact of those things on neighborhoods. And so I I wanted to look at neighborhood change and not knowing quite how to do that. I ended up really researching urban planning and urban planning policy and the development of urban planning in New York City and the relationship of that profession to how the how neighborhoods actually changed. So you saw something happening firsthand in your life and you were like, why is this happening? Let me look into the kind of the historical basis of this. That's really, really fascinating. And so what role did the Graduate Center have in your intellectual development? And how did your experiences at the GC transform you into the educator you are today? Well, I came from a private university for my undergrad and I also uh, received a master's in, uh, in the, in, from another private university, and those uh, degrees were in film and cinema studies. Um, and when I decided to pursue a doctorate, I was really interested in terms of my own politics and in terms of living in New York City and going to kind of the major public university in New York, to the CUNY Graduate Center. And really embedding myself in the city. And so just having that that access was incredibly important for me and understanding how New York worked. Um, but then I had the opportunity to teach at Hunter and Gutman Community College, even before it had its name, when it was still called the New Community College, and meet with scholars from across the CUNY network, which was really um, influential. And you know, the, it's funny because when you're at the Graduate Center, as you know, most people, most of the faculty are co-appointed at one of the other colleges. And so there's something about that, that hybrid experience of teaching in kind of a neighborhood school versus the central academic PhD granting institution that I think gave faculty a really great perspective on education and, and integrating their experiences into being educators. And I think that was really influential. And then finally, I was very lucky to get a fellowship to work at the American Social History Project, which was, and, and, and Center for uh, New Media, I think it was called, 
<laughs> now I can't remember, but it was the American Social History Project that was um, the key to kind of getting into something along the lines of a public history track, which didn't really exist at the Graduate Center, but it really set me on my path. So you came from a, a sort of different background in a private university in, in film studies. I also did some um, film studies in my undergrad. So uh, in, co- in combination with history, and then I continued along the history path as uh, things moved forward. But that's really interesting. And the, the way you got to experience both in the grad center as this kind of center place where all these different professors are coming together, as well as working and teaching at the more community schools across the CUNY system. This, and this is an experience that a lot of grad center student, student workers get to um, have while they're at the grad center. And your experiences with your fellowship seem to kind of push you in a direction of maybe getting involved with public history and, and public humanities. So when did you uh, first make the decision to pursue a career in higher education and what motivated you to work in public history and public humanities? Um, that's a great question. So I don't know that I was able to articulate it to myself at the time, but when I was studying film, I was very much interested in the audience and the audience's experiences with film and the ways in which film viewership could be an educational experience. And so after I finished my master's degree, I ended up working at the Lower East Side Tenement Museum which uh, at at a time when all of us, no matter what our jobs were at the museum, had to learn how to give tours of the landmark tenement. And so I was actually actively working in something along the lines of public education, similar to what I was interested in, in film, and actually curated a couple of film series when I was working there. And I think that that idea of activating these really essential human experiences that one learns about in a history museum or in actually engaging with history in a different way than in the classroom really inspired me. And so when I applied to get a PhD at the Graduate Center, my intent all along was to work in a public history and public humanities mode. And I just felt that having having a PhD, first of all, would give me a lot more leverage in the job market eventually. But also that, I mean, as I mentioned, I studied film and my undergrad and master's degrees, I did not study history. So I really needed to learn history. And I I actually took a couple of classes at Brooklyn College to just see if I could do it before I applied to the Graduate Center, um, because, you know, I had just not engaged with that discipline for a long time. So in some ways, I needed that education to be able to do what I wanted to do in my life professionally. So because of your experience at the Tenement Museum and the Lower East Side, you came in with kind of a a mindset of already wanting to work in public history. And then you you continued along that path. So what steps did you take uh, along that path to end up at Illinois uh, Humanities? Um, I wish I could answer that in a way that suggested I knew what I was doing, Um, (laughs) because I really didn't. I mean, I think that one of the things that Uh, served me well was being, I wouldn't say a networker exactly, but being open to lots of different kinds of experiences that I could collect, you know, collect over time to push me in a particular direction. So I don't think at any particular moment, I knew that I was going to end up at Illinois Humanities doing what I'm doing right now. But what I will say is that over the course of the time I was at 
uh, the Graduate Center. There was the, the job at American Social History Project, which was uh, learning some digital technologies, which are now out of date, but to learn those digital technologies to tell history, historical um, narratives in an accessible public way. There was some work I did around curriculum development for Brooklyn Historical Society and for the New York Public Library and LaGuardia Community College. And so I learned those kinds of skills. And then I took a break from my, my degree progress to after I got my dissertation proposal approved to work full time because I needed to pay to live in New York City. And in that experience, I was an academic advisor, so I learned a lot about the ins and outs of universities. And then, you know, again, collected more public humanities experiences, taught a course in public humanities while I was working as an academic advisor at NYU. And then by the end of all of the experiences that I pulled together, I guess, I had strong administrative experience. I had the experience of working in community partnerships and engagement. Um, I had the experiences of teaching in a classroom. I understood how university bureaucracy works. And all of that kind of came together in the job that I have now, in which I feel weirdly uniquely suited to some of the job responsibilities that I have. That, you know, had I known when I started my program at the Graduate Center in 2002, that this is where I wanted to end up. The trajectory might have been faster, but it definitely happened anyway. So I feel pretty lucky that it all kind of made sense. So it all worked out in the end. <laughs> the, the many you know, experiments that you took along the path, they all kind of combined to this to create the sort of skill set and experience for the position that you have today. Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to make it sound, um, as historians, we don't want to, like, focus on a teleological trajectory, like, you know, I do love my job, and I'm happy where I am, but but happily, the all the other experiences that I had could have pushed me in lots of other kinds of directions, and that's one of the things that I feel like I really kind of won the lottery in the sense that I could have continued in a university setting, and administratively, I might have been able to do education projects in different other kinds of settings like museums. I could have done curatorial work in museums. You know, the work that I'm doing now is really meaningful to me, but my previous job, I was helping to run a research lab at NYU. So, you know, there's lots of different things that can come out of just sort of being open-minded enough to collect a whole lot of experiences that seem interesting and that you hope will work out. So there were plenty of other career opportunities that you were considering along this path. Definitely. Yeah. When I moved from my previous position to this one, I, I was sort of in the running for two totally different positions from the one I have now and from each other. I am glad for where I'm at, but I feel like, you know, if I'd ended up at either one of those other places, I would have been happy there too. So there were, there was a lot of potential opportunities, but you've kind of, you settled in something that you feel fits in with your passion. What are some of the challenges that you encountered as you transitioned to being the director of teaching and learning at Illinois Humanities? And what is the Odyssey Project? Well, I'll start with what the Odyssey Project is and um, answer the second half of the question. The Odyssey Project is part of a network of programs throughout the United States and also in Canada 
that was started at Bard College. It's called the Clemente Course in the Humanities. And each site that offers the Clemente course kind of does it in its own way. And so Illinois Humanities is one of the first Clemente course sites. And we called our Clemente course the Odyssey Project. Um, And it's been around for 20 years. We're in our 21st year right now. And the Clemente course, well, I'll, I'll set that term aside. The Odyssey Project is a humanities, a college level humanities program from for income eligible adults, which is people who are at or below 150% of the federal poverty guidelines, um, to study the humanities with college instructors um, and earn credit. And they do all of this in their own communities. We have sites across the city of Chicago and they participate for free. Um, so by the end of the first year of classes, they can earn up to eight credits. By the end of the second year of classes, they could be collecting 11 credits in the humanities um, through our project. And our, our accreditation is through University of Illinois, Chicago right now. So it's a really fantastic program. The challenges that I encounter, many of them really have to do with the fact that I started my job in May of 2020. So almost all of the challenges that I experience right now have to do with the impossibility of remote learning for people who are disadvantaged in so many different ways. Remote learning for people who are essential workers, who are caring for loved ones, children and elders, people who don't necessarily have Wi-Fi available or other kinds of technologies who may not be Zoom literate, which actually, you know, none of us are, but for people who are elderly, for example, it may be particularly limiting, and that's a a population that we really appeal to. Um, And so those are the major challenges that I think we've all faced. And I think we have a really strong community of learners and instructors, and we very much uh, thrive on care for each other. But And I think we've done that in the last two years, you know, that I've gotten to know folks, but it's definitely really hard to feel that sometimes through a computer screen or a phone, (laughs) because a lot of our students have to join us through their smartphones. And that has been the biggest challenge. The other challenge is one that I'm sure a lot of CUNY students are familiar with, which is bureaucracy. Uh, I shouldn't even say I'm sure because I know because I I was a CUNY student (laughs) and the bureaucracy that we're working with is, is with another public university, UIC. And so there are just so many steps to do things. They become frustrating for me, but actual real barriers for our students to succeed in higher education. And so trying to kind of weave your way through all of that red tape because you really can't cut through it is really huge. And we need a lot of allies within the university to help us do that. And we're very lucky to have many, but you know, it's, it's not perfect. Well, in the face of all these challenges, whether it's the, the online learning that's become so prominent because of COVID-19 or just the general dealing with bureaucracy that uh, I completely understand where you're coming from there, the, Reality is, is that the Odyssey Project seems like an incredible project that is helping a lot of people's lives. And it's definitely something I'm going to keep my eye on and have a lot of interest in uh, some projects like that. 
So what would you recommend to current graduate students interested in pursuing a career working in the higher education industry? Well, my, my feeling is that there's no straight pathway. I mean, I guess I've sort of said that through my own experience, but I, I also witnessed it when I was working at NYU, that there was no, you know, recipe for being a successful tenured or tenure track faculty member, but there's also no recipe for doing anything else um, at, at a university. So a lot of it is taking advantage of opportunities when they arise, not being too good to do some of the dirty work. I, you know, have often had to do mailings on my own. I've done that a lot from my apartment, mailing course packets out to our students from my apartment, you know, uh, setting up food at various events, you know, things like that. They actually make you somebody that everybody respects, uh, no matter what your position is. And all of us need to rely on a lot of people to be successful. So kind of giving credit where credit's due as well. I would say that advising was an excellent place for me to get my foot in the door uh, at a university, because if there's one job that has to, you know, navigate the entire university, it's advising because you have to understand registration, financial aid, student life, student affairs, students, faculty, (laughs) I mean, everybody. (laughs) And so, you know, if, if you want to do anything in a university, um, that has direct student contact, um, advising is a great way to, to get into it and then figure out where else you want to go. So I think that that might be my advice. And then if you are interested in like public humanities as opposed to higher education, I, I think that, you know, once again, it's like just <laughs> do the basic grunt work because even the fanciest public humanities institutions are going to need people who have administrative skills, who know how to update WordPress, you know, all of these um, things that, that maybe seem tangential or marginal to one's career, but they're actually all useful skills. Well, thank you so much for uh, that great advice. Uh, I will definitely keep that all in mind. And thank you so much for joining us on Alumni Loud. You're very welcome. I hope it was helpful.